Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Glad you're with us today. I don't know if uh, you ever experienced this like I do, but, uh, you know, sometimes things sound really hilarious in my head, and then when they come out of my mouth, they're just not that funny. I uh, actually experienced that this week. I went to the uh, post office, and I don't usually handle those kind of things. Julie takes care of the postal, postal stuff and the things we mail and all that kind of thing, but she asked me to run and get her a book of stamps, and so I went in, and I went up to the person at the post office, and I, I said to her, I, I need some stamps, please. And she said, what denomination? I said, I'll take four Presbyterians, two Methodists, and a Baptist. And she just looked at me. That was hilarious in my head. I don't know why she didn't get it. But uh, anyway, I, I don't know if you ever experienced that. Encourage me after the service and let me know that that works for you, too. Well, we've been in a series over the last couple of weeks talking about responding to God's gift. I think it's important as we think about Christmas and we think about uh, what God has done for us and what he has given to us, it's important for us to understand and think about how we respond to that. Uh, you know, if, if somebody gives us a gift uh, at Christmas and we don't respond at all, I mean, we're just cold-hearted people, you know? And so uh, it's important for us to understand really how we should respond uh, to God's gift. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about responding to God's gift by serving, Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the first way would be by accepting, accepting God's gift. Uh, last week, we talked about by giving ourselves. As, as we see what God has given to us, a natural and normal response is to give back. And so this week, we're going to talk about uh, serving. How is it possible uh, for us to respond to God's gift by serving? Now, you can go back and listen to either one of those sermons on our website at www.fogkc.com. Fog stands for Fellowship of Grace kc.com. But let me just review a little bit because I think it's important to think about the gift before we think about really how uh, important it is for us to respond to it and in what manner and form we respond to it. When we think about uh, this time of year, uh, we always think about, of course, Jesus being born in the manger. And uh, that's what Christmas is a celebration of. And no matter how much the world tries to secularize it or change it or whatever, uh, it is still the Christmas holiday It is still uh, the celebration of Jesus coming to earth, of God sending his son to the earth. But it's also important that as we think about that, we don't think about just the birth of Jesus, but we also think about uh, the ultimate end to his life was the giving of his life on the cross to pay for our sins. Jesus came for a purpose, and the purpose was to redeem those who were far from him, like us. And so we've been looking at this verse, John 3.16, to kind of help us understand God's uh, generosity toward us, for God so loved the world that he gave. Now that's the, that's the crux of Christmas right there. God so loved, he loved us so much that he gave. He gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so what we've been looking at is, as we uh, look at the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the fact that God loved us so much... He sent his son uh, from heaven to become a man, to to live in the flesh for 33 years, uh, to be perfect, and then to give his life on the cross to pay for our sins. And, (coughs) excuse me, and then give us the opportunity by faith to exchange places with him. Uh, He takes credit for our sinfulness on the cross, and he gives us credit for his righteousness by putting our faith and trust in him. As we think about that great gift that he gave us and the opportunity to be connected to God 
through his son Jesus Christ, how do we respond? Well, I think the first thing to think about is just the, the, the realization that the gospel changes everything. Folks, listen, when we experience for real what God has done for us, we also experience a certain amount of reciprocity that takes place. Uh, you know, if somebody gives me a gift that I'm not expecting to get a gift from, you guys have been there, right? You're really embarrassed for a second. In fact, I think one of these days I'm just going to buy a bunch of people gifts and embarrass them just to hand them out to people because they don't have anything for me, you know? But when, when you give a gift to somebody and they don't have anything or you don't have anything to give back to them, it's just kind of an embarrassing thing. You want to give back, not because you feel like you, you owe them something, but because of their generosity toward you, because of their love for you, their appreciation for you, you want to give that back to them. My contention would be, uh, folks, if we have really experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we have really experienced a transformed life, that it should change everything about our lives. It should change the way we think. It should change the way we talk. It should change the way we act. It should change everything about our lives. In fact, I would say that if nothing in our lives has ever changed, thank you, sir. If nothing in our lives has ever changed, we're going to talk about serving in a minute. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> uh, if nothing in your life has changed, I would just certainly begin to ask the question, I wonder if I really am connected to God through his son, Jesus Christ. I wonder if I've really experienced the gospel if there's been absolutely no change in my life. <clears throat> now, as we talk about serving, we all know uh, what, what it is uh, to be a couch potato, right? And when you hear the term couch potato, which I think came into to being in the 70s, I did a little research on that this week, really boring information. Uh, but in the 70s, they came up with this idea about the couch potato. Somebody who sits on the couch, watches television, doesn't do much, kind of lazy, uh, just sits there and does nothing. Uh, you know, we have this certain uh, view of a person who is a couch potato. They're never going to accomplish much in life. Uh, they're just kind of floating through life. And, and letting life kind of pass them by. But today I want us to talk about perhaps another potato, the pew potato. Now, obviously we don't have any pews anymore, uh, but uh, the idea of a really comfortable chair that's nice to sit in potato was just too long to, you know, say. And so we're going to talk about the pew potato a little bit. There are people that come uh, to a church and they, they, they act in a way like a couch potato at home would act. They act the same way in the church. Now, I mentioned in the earlier service that I think uh, I would like to check into seeing how, what it would be like to give every new member of Fellowship of Grace an oar. And, and when they become a member of our church, we hand them an oar and say to them, this is for you to help row. Uh, nobody comes here uh, on a, this is not a cruise ship. You don't come and just bask in God's wonderful mercy and grace forever and just enjoy the ride. Everybody is expected to row the boat. In fact, in our, in our, uh, uh, when it comes to becoming a new member of Fellowship of Grace, when you sign that new member covenant, part of that covenant, if you don't remember, says that I'm committed to the act of serving others. And so perhaps we give that or to everyone and just remind them uh, symbolically uh, that they need to row the boat with everyone else. But let's talk about why we serve. Why do we serve? Of course, there's that certain amount of reciprocity toward God. He's, he's done so much for us. And certainly out of response for what he's done, we want to respond back. 
But that's not the only reason we should serve others, and especially through the local church. Let's look at a couple of things. One is because God saved us to serve. Do you ever think about it that way? God saved us for the purpose of us serving. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here we see that God has prepared us for the actual act of doing good works. While this may not be the primary reason that God saved us, it is clear that it is a reason. And God is saying here, listen, I didn't just save you to be something. I didn't just save you to experience something, but I also saved you to do something, to do something. Uh, Listen, I think probably in this culture uh, is experiencing this more than any other culture perhaps, but there's this sense even amongst people who don't know God, who are still far from him, there is this sense of, of living for something that is bigger than myself, living for a cause and giving myself to a cause that is bigger than I am. Folks, that's something that God has put in our spirits from the time we were born, he, he, he wants us to feel this longing, this pulling towards something bigger than ourselves. And what it is, is God's kingdom. He wants us to be pulled into his kingdom. He is drawing us and pulling us toward it. And so there is something to live for that's bigger and better than ourselves. And it's him. Because he has saved us to do good works. He saved us for the purpose of doing good to one another. And so that is a reason that we serve. Another reason <clears throat> is because he gifted us to serve the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. It says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now there's some universal language in there, especially at this, the end of this passage. It says, to each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But what's the Bible students cheer? You know, there were 40 people at the first service and they outdid you. What does the Bible students cheer? Right, context, context, context. Listen, this is not a passage that's universal to all people. This is a letter written to the the church at Corinth, and it applies to the Christians who are in this church. And what's being said here is, look, for all of you who know God, for all of you who have been connected to God through his son Jesus Christ, every single one of you has been given a gift from the Spirit of God, for the common good of the body. When we gave our lives to Christ, he gave us, as the Holy Spirit indwelled us, he gave us spiritual gifts. Now, there are a lot of different spiritual gifts. We're not going to spend an extensive amount of time on them today, but I want to bring them up to you. There are speaking gifts, such as preaching, teaching, evangelism, exhortation or encouragement, however you want to say that. There are serving gifts, like leading Serving, administration, helps, giving, hospitality, faith, 
mercy. All of these gifts are given for the common good of the church and in the church. They are given so that the local church can function as a reflection of Christ to the world. Remember what we saw in the first part of the book of Acts? Uh, The church is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is gone in bodily form. He is no longer here on the planet. But he has sent his spirit to indwell us to be his representatives and to be his, his, his hands and feet in the world. Now, none of us has all of these spiritual gifts. But when we become a Christian, when we give our lives to Christ, uh, we get at least one, and most people get at least two or three. Now, we see a gift like preaching. That's obviously, you know, preaching the word of God. Teaching is to communicate the word of God in a little different way so that people gain more knowledge, really. They get an understanding of how to apply the word of God. Evangelism is obviously sharing the gospel with others. Encouragement is, is a way to share the gospel and to share God's word. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm really a gifted preacher or teacher. I think I'm a gifted exhorter. You know, you may not come here on, on Sunday mornings at Fellowship of Grace and you go out saying, wow, man, I just learned so many new things today. My mind is just exploding because of all the great new information I got. I, I'm a cheerleader for Jesus. Okay, I'm not going to wear the, the outfit, but I, I, I am a, you know, I'm the guy who says, listen, this is what God says, do it. Your life will be better, your life will be blessed. Do it, do it, do it. Lean to the left, lean to the right, stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Uh, that's that's kind of how I preach, because I'm an encourager. I want you to experience the blessings of life, and you cannot do that apart from God. That's very different than preaching or teaching. There are serving gifts like leading. Some people just have a natural uh, uh, bent toward leading and being a leader. They want to lead. They, they, they crave leading. Uh, they, they crave wanting to guide and help other people. I know some people are totally, you know, have an aversion to leading. There's a gift of serving. These people just look for opportunities to serve others. They don't have to be asked. They just see what needs to be done and they serve. There's a gift of administration, uh, of people that know how to, how to administrate things and organize things. You know, I make the joke, which is kind of a joke, but not really. You know, if it was up to me to handle all the money of the church, it'd all be in a shoebox with some writing on the side. Now, it would all be in, in there, but I, you know, it probably would be all a mess and we wouldn't figure anything out because I don't have that gift of administration, but we have people in our church that do, and they are allowed to use those gifts to keep us on track. There's the gift of helps, <clears throat> this deep need to just help other people. I don't want to lead anything. I don't want to. Uh, I, just, I just see people that need help and I want to help them. That's a spiritual gift. Spiritual gift of giving. People that just live with an open hand, wanting to give to others and be generous to others. The gift of hospitality. Those who make you feel comfortable and welcome anywhere you go. When they're there, it's just a wonderful and enjoyable time. The gift of faith, those who have faith, uh, maybe perhaps greater than most of us, who can trust God and, and lean on him for really difficult things and difficult times. And then the gift of mercy, those who are able to uh, show empathy and sympathy to people who are in need, uh, they, they, they have this desire to help the hurting, to minister to them, and, and really perhaps meet whatever need they have. Now listen. Nobody in this church has all these gifts. 
No, because none of us are the perfect reflection of Jesus. But what we do have is a couple of three. And when we act like a church and all the gifts are operating somewhere in the church, we become a better reflection of who Jesus is. That's why he's, he's done this for us. So that we need one another. So that we have to rely on one another to really be uh, his hands and feet in the world. Folks, we shouldn't be uh, pew potatoes. We should realize that we are a puzzle piece that has a perfect fit, even right here at Fellowship of Grace. Now, if you're a member here, I want to really challenge you. If you are, are, are not serving this church with your gifts and your abilities, your spiritual gifts, I want to challenge you to step up and do it. Not just because we need you to do stuff. Oh, we're like every other church. We, we're like every other church. We need people to help out in the children's ministry. We need people to help uh, people connect as they come in the front door. We need people to help with the lawn. and We, we need people to help with everything. But it's not about really helping the church. It's about you fulfilling uh, who you were made to be. And it's about you completing the puzzle. Have you ever put together one of those like 10,000 piece puzzles? And you spend weeks on it or whatever. And, and you just, you know, all these little tiny pieces. You put them all together and you get to the end. And there's one piece missing. Isn't that frustrating? Oh man, I hate that. I hate that. And then what, you know what I do? I'm, I'm not very smart sometimes. I put it back, all back in the box, and then three years later I make the same puzzle, forgetting that I'm missing a piece. I should throw the thing away, get it out of my life. But we do that sometimes, and it's real frustrating. Listen, our church can operate sometimes like a puzzle with a few pieces missing because people aren't stepping up and participating like they should. You know, I, I coach other church planters. And one of the things that I try to encourage them in is, is in their calling. And I say this to them. I say, look, guys, you got to understand, if God's called you to be the, the pastor, the church planner of this church, nobody can do it like you can. We're very close to the seminary. And on any given day, I am probably not the best theologian in the room. I am probably not the best speaker in the room. And I'm sure not the best-looking guy in the room. But for some reason... In God's infinite wisdom, which we can't understand, he's called me to be the piece of the puzzle that fits right here, right now. And so nobody else can fulfill that like I can. Listen, there's a, there's a place, there's, there's a hole somewhere in this church that nobody can fill and, and nobody fits quite like you do. And so I want to challenge you to find the place where you can use your spiritual gift where you can use your gifting to serve God and help our church be a, re, a better reflection and a more complete reflection of Jesus to the world. It's about us ministering to others. It's not about, you know, just serving. It's bigger than that. And by the way, we try really hard around here uh, to not, you know, uh, get you signed up for something and then you, you know, that you're like, I remember one church I was at, there was a guy who, uh, became the temporary piano player. When the piano player left the church, he was the temporary piano player. He's been temporarily playing the piano for 41 years. Okay. Okay. Our church is not like that. If you get into a ministry and you go, man, this is just not my thing. I, I don't fit here. I, I, don't, I can't seem to get a handle on this. It's just not right for me. I'm, I, I'm kinda, I, just don't, I don't like it. It's just not me. Fine. 
we'll move you somewhere else. Don't quit. Just change. Let's find the right place for you. Now listen, you, you all know that sometimes we just have to be mature, and because things have to be done, they have to be done. Okay? We got that part. But long term, I know that if you're in a place that's not right for you, if it doesn't really fit who you are, you will burn out there. It will zap the energy out of you. It will suck the life out of you over a period of time. But if you're in a place where you can use your spiritual gift and be who God made you to be and, and fit into that little piece of the puzzle just in the right spot, even though you work hard at your ministry and you, you just throw yourself into your ministry, folks, it will energize you. It will energize you. You will just crave the desire to serve the body of Christ. So I want to challenge you to find that place because I think it's important. God has invested spiritual gifts in us. I think it's important that we use them for his honor and glory. Another reason to serve is because everything we do should serve him. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Folks, one of the reasons we should serve is because everything we, sh we do should serve him. And this is a mindset. This is, this is a, a, a view of life on an eternal level. And I know that, that many of us have to have jobs and we have to go there and, and we go to our jobs in order to, to make money and pay our bills and take care of our finances and those kind of things. But listen, if you change your thinking, if you change your thinking and say, I'm going to work not just to make money to pay my bills, I'm going there to make money in order to care for my family as God has told me. I'm going there to make money uh, so that I can give and live an open-handed, generous life toward others. I'm going there uh, to do something and, and to work and serve so that I can uh, do these eternal things. Folks, it'll change your whole life. It'll change your whole perspective. You'll be able to go and, and, and serve and do whatever it is God calls you to do and do it with... Uh, <laughs> kind of an intense zeal because we're doing it to serve him. Certainly serving in the local church is a direct result of serving him. The last reason I want to talk about today is this one, because serving reflects Christ. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, this is Jesus talking here. He's saying, look, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Now, if anybody on the planet ever had the right to demand to be served, it was Jesus Christ. He had every right under the sun to say, listen, I'm on the scene now. You all serve me. And he would have had every right to do it. But he didn't. He gave up his rights. And he said, look, I'm not asking you to serve me. I've come to serve you. And he did that to be an example to us. He did that so that we would see, folks, 
I know our country is big on rights, and you can't turn on the news or go onto the internet without reading something about somebody's rights being violated. And da, 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 da. We're really big on rights. But when it comes to serving the body of Christ, folks, we just need to say, listen, I don't have any rights. I'm here to serve, not to demand who serves me. Not to see, I'm not here to see what I can get. I'm not here to be a sponge and take away from everybody else. I'm here to give. I'm here to serve. I'm here to invest my life in the lives of others. And folks, when we do that, we can have an eternal impact on people and not even realize it. I know how we think. Boy, I, I'm, I'm bringing some friends to church that don't, uh, don't know God, and they're kind of far from God, and I'm going to bring my friends to church on, on Christmas Eve, and I hope you do that. Everybody should bring their friends, especially those who are far from God. And we have a tendency to think, I'm going I'm to bring them, and the pastor is going to share the gospel with them. And, and I'm going to pray that God will do something in their life for what he does. But folks, I think, I think we lose sight of the fact that everything, every piece of the puzzle participates in that. You know, if a family comes to our church and they are far from God, they came because you just invited them, and they have a baby, and they give that baby to a smiling person, and they see how that person holds their baby and cradles their baby, and they get their baby back uh, smiling with a clean diaper on and happy as a clam, you don't think that makes an impression on them? Of course it does. Of course it does. I turned my child, my lifeblood, over to a stranger, and they took great care of him or her. That makes a great impact on people. You know, you might not think that it's a big deal to have somebody at the front door opening the door or somebody handing out bulletins and saying, good morning, welcome to Fellowship of Grace. I'm glad you're here this morning. But it can be a profound thing. You know, statistics show that almost everybody decides the first time they come here, they're going to decide before I say a word, they're going to decide if they're going to come back or not. You realize that? They do a bunch of surveys with these things, and of course, churches, they just, you know, try to figure out every different way to, to measure these things, and, and, and about half of them will decide whether or not to come back before the band plays their first note. So the way people greet them, the way people talk to them, the way people welcome them has a profound impact on them. And if they're far from God and they decide, I'm not coming back to that church because they're not friendly, oh, the pastor's preaching was okay. Yeah, the music was awesome, but it's not a very friendly church. I'm not going back. We won't have any impact on them. The reality is, I am probably, in some cases, less, less of an impact than some of you are. And listen, I want you to all participate in that so that you can get the blessing of impacting other people's lives. But we are the most like Jesus when we are serving others. And especially when we are com completing or, or a, when we are uh, participating in reflecting him in the church. He said, listen, I don't have a right to be served. I'm here to serve you. And when we have that same thinking process, when we have that same desire, when we act and think the same way, and we say, listen, I'm not here to get served. I'm here to serve everybody else. We're being the most like Jesus. 
So today I want to encourage you. Don't be a pew potato. Be a puzzle piece that finds your fit at Fellowship of Grace. Now, I know statistics about people participating in, in ministry. Most church, for most churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You realize that? Most churches you go to, about 20% of the people in the entire church will do about 80% of everything that has to be done. We are very different, very different. Almost always, a majority of our people are involved in ministry. And that's because we let people know as they join Fellowship of Grace that that's part of the expectation. We expect you to row the boat, not just come for a cruise. We expect you to participate by using your gifts, by serving and giving and sharing and all the things that a church member should do. We expect you to do that. And so we have a pretty high rate. But listen, there are still some of you here that have been in our church for several months or even years, and you don't serve the body at all. I want you to know that you're robbing us of being a complete puzzle because without you, without you doing what God has created you to do, some other puzzle piece has to try and fit in that spot. And it's never a perfect fit. It's never a perfect fit. So I want to encourage every single person today, if you are a member of Fellowship of Grace and you are not participating in ministry, before you go today, Consider the things you've heard. Consider the gift that God has given you through his son, Jesus Christ. Consider the gospel that has saved your eternal soul. Wouldn't you at least serve his body? You just mark that box on the back of your connection card and we'll get with you. We'll connect you. And if, you, if you're saying, listen, I, I don't know where to serve. I don't, I don't even know which teams need help. I don't know where I could fit in. I don't, well, let's just discover that together. That's part of what we're here as pastors is we're not here to do the ministry. We're here to equip all of you to do the ministry. We're not the ministers. You are the ministers. We're, we're just, you know, moving the chairs around, moving the pieces around. That's what our job is. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're not a member of Fellowship of Grace yet or a brand new member, and, and you've heard this today, I just want to encourage you that this is a place where you can find fulfillment. You can find fulfillment by using your spiritual gifts and being who God wants you to be. And listen, whatever, whatever uh, uh, excuse is coming into your brain right now, it's a bad one. It's just a bad one. Oh, I, I'm, I'm a busy person. I don't have much time. Oh, I'm too old. Oh, I'm too young. Oh, I'm too far from the church. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. Oh, I'm this. Listen, all those are just bad reasons. Okay, they're all, they're all horrible. So don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. I want you to find fulfillment in being who, who God designed you to be. And I want our church to be a more complete uh, a reflection of Jesus by you participating right in that spot that only you can fill. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gift. God, the fact that you looked down and, and decided to love us while we were still sinners, the fact that you would give to us at a level where it would cost you 
your son. Father, that is a profound gift that you have given to us. God, it, it, it cries out to us the need to respond. God, help us to respond wisely and correctly. Help us to see the example that your son gave us to not demand to be served, but to serve others. Father, help us to live up to that. God, help us to all realize that there is a spot for us here at Fellowship of Grace that is just shaped like us and that we need to step up and participate and fit that spot. God, help us to realize that none of us is, is, is a part of a church to go on a cruise, but you want each one of us to row the boat along with the others and see your kingdom grow and see us push back the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. Father, use us in a great way. We pray for many, many, many people Thursday to come who may only come to church once a year. Father, I pray that they would be drawn to this church where they will hear the gospel, where they will see that there is a God who loves them enough to give them the best gift the world has ever known. Father, thank you for Christmas. Help us keep our mind focused on what really matters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.